Now, what do we do when it comes to the new covenant and the new Testament? The principle applies. Let's look at it here. Here's the principle for us right now in our day. Our heart condition is directly related to our attitude toward God's kingdom. We know exactly where our hearts are at as it relates to our pursuit or our apathy towards the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are we storing up treasures on earth that moth and rust destroy? Are we storing up treasures in heaven, again, which are eternal? Hi, everybody, and welcome to Live in the Light. We are glad that you're here today because yesterday we started a brand new series looking verse by verse into the book of Haggai. That's right, that little book at the end of the Old Testament that you may not necessarily know a ton about. Listen, frankly, I don't meet many believers who have this book on their top 10 list of favorite books in the Bible. But what we're going to see today and throughout this entire series is that God's Word is just flat out amazing. Haggai is a fantastic book, and we are excited to dive in and walk verse by verse into what God's Word will teach us. But in order to go verse by verse, we need to start right at the beginning, and that's where we're starting today. Haggai chapter 1 with a message today that calls us to consider our ways. Here's Pastor Robbie with today's message. He says, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And Haggai says, he says, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Okay, so the house that I come from and my kids, this is called, well, I would call it when I was a kid, a burn. Ooh, you got bird, man. And my kids now, they hear something, they'd be like, oh, like that, all right? So young people, me, you might know what I'm talking about right there. Haggai just totally burns them in my language and in my boy's language, like Haggai, oh, what a comeback, what a comeback. See there, because the people are like, we don't have any time. And he's like, oh yeah, verse four, you have time for yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruins. And all God's people said, oh, God, all right. He just totally burned them. He's like, oh yeah, what about that? It's funny that their voices are saying one thing, but their lives are totally saying another thing, right? So their voices say, it's not time to build the temple. Ready, ready, ready? But their lives say it was time to pursue self-luxury. Oh, that hurts. And that's exactly what's going on. Can I just say this, man? Like, again, let's be honest enough, people. God knows every heart in this room. We do the same thing a lot. Hey, man, you serve the Lord. You want to pursue his kingdom? You want to be generous to the work of God? Oh, not right now, not right now. I don't have time, I don't have time. And then the very thing we do is we leave church and our lives are self-indulgent with luxury and all these ridiculous things in our world. I mean, what are you doing? God's like, you think you're fooling me? Like you say, you got no time and nothing to give, whatever. And then the very aspect of your life, it's just the evidence is lighting. You got time for that. You got time for that. You got money for that. You got gifts for that. You got all these other things you're doing. We're like, hmm, got a point there, God. But we make excuses and we rationalize. And this is what the people of God were doing as well. It's interesting that I think inherently in studying some commentaries, one of their most inherent excuses was we don't have the money. We don't have the money. The economy's bad. 
God's like, well, you seem to have the money to put into yourself house. You got the, the houses with a roof on it. You got some sweet panels, and yet my house lies without a roof. Conviction. Again, see what's happening here, okay? See, see what's happening here. It's the priority of self-indulgence or personal prosperity over the house of God. God's house lies in ruins while your house is all sweet and fancy. Okay, here's the, here's, the, here's the principle we're taking from Haggai. We'll start with the principle in the old covenant, okay? Here's what's happening in Haggai. Here's the principle. The condition of their hearts was directly related to their attitude toward God's temple. Stop there for a second, okay? So this is exactly what's going on in, in Haggai chapter one. God's like, no, no, I know where your hearts are at because the way you treat my temple is the direct indication of where your hearts are at. Now, what do we do when it comes to the new covenant and the new Testament? The principle applies. Let's look at it here. Here's the principle for us right now in our day. Our heart condition is directly related to our attitude toward God's kingdom. We know exactly where our hearts are at as it relates to our pursuit or our apathy towards the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are we storing up treasures on earth that moth and rust destroy? Are we storing up treasures in heaven, again, which are eternal? This is the principle that we see, and it's a very, very important one. So what the Lord does here, he confronts them in their sin directly, and notice their excuses that they provide are really for what? Their excuses. What's, the, um, what's really behind the idea of we don't have time? Um, um, we'll get to it later. Here's what's really behind that. Ready? Laziness, procrastination, self-indulgence, self-prosperity, and really, ready, idolatry. That's really what's behind the misapplied, misapplied priorities and passions of God's people. What our passage makes so clear here, they were making excuses in order to devote themselves to their own prosperity. I just want to pause. I just, I just want us to chance just to, Holy Spirit, speak. Why? And again, again, as we talked about this, in the old covenant, it was about what are you doing towards God's temple, which signify his presence. In the new covenants, what are we doing? And where's our heart towards God's kingdom? The building of God's kingdom, the pursuit of God's kingdom within our lives, and this chance that we have right now. The question is, what excuses are we making right now in the neglect of the kingdom of God? There's, there's, there's so much good stuff in our passage. Like I just, it's one of these weeks where I have 15 verses and I'm like, oh, verses one to seven could be a whole sermon. And Verses 8 to 12 could be a whole sermon, but nonetheless, we're going to get through it in four weeks, Lord willing. But look at verses 5 and 6, okay? This is, this is so good. Now, watch what happens here, okay? So uh, you're, you're building your own panel houses while the house of God lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. We'll get to that in just a second. That phrase, consider your ways, that's the sermon title for today. Examine your hearts. Examine your direction. Examine your motives. Verse 6, Ready? You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And this is great. I love this end of verse, of verse six. I haven't seen this in this way in a long time. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. 
That's amazing to me, isn't it? What's the bottom line? And we'll come to more of this at the next point. The bottom line is this. When we prioritize our own prosperity, we will always end up dissatisfied. Okay, I was talking to a a mentor friend of mine. I mentioned that I was going to be jumping into Haggai with all you guys in this series. I'm talking about chapter one, and he just he just presented this really good insight to you and understanding. Goes, you know, it's amazing to me. He says so many believers they don't give to God, and they think that the money they withhold from God they really gather for themselves. But when you're stingy towards God and you're not generous with what he's given to you and you know you can't outgive God, but you, all the money you think you're holding for yourselves, he says all of a sudden your car breaks down. All of a sudden the furnace stops working. All of a sudden the business deal goes out. All of a sudden something unforeseen happens and you think you got all this money for yourselves, but it just slips through your fingers because you were trying to save wages in a bag with a hole in it. I'm like, that's so good. How does that apply exactly? I'm not totally sure, okay? But I, I absolutely believe by experience and God's word as well. Again, you cannot outgive God and you will reap what you sow. Second Corinthians 8 and 9, it's so clear there. God doesn't promise to make us healthy and well. You know how I feel about that. But the reality is, again, when we cheat God, we cheat ourselves. And so many people are, and they're wondering, how come I can't, how come I can't hold the coins, man? How come they're always falling? Because you've never been generous with the kingdom of God. And it's right here in this verse here. It's awesome. He said, you keep seeing satisfaction. You don't have your fill. You eat, you're never full. You drink, you're never again quenching your thirst. You try to gather, but you always have little. Single greatest moment that Jill and I, early in our marriage, our greatest financial stressful times is when we gave the least. It's lacking faith. You start to trust the Lord. You start to, again, you know, like you're just, you're writing the checks that just make no sense. This for his kingdom. Man, it feels exciting. And just to see his faithfulness. Just promises that he'll provide what we need. It's important to look at this right now. It's important to look at this. So many Christians don't live this way misplaced priorities, misplaced passions, misplaced faith and stuff over Christ. God convict us of our sin. And I pray you're not afraid of that, man. I welcome it, man. I'm like, I'm like just show me, man, bring it, bring it. Because I know it's one of the greatest paths to renewal and satisfaction and joy. And I'm telling you, I'm writing this message this week and I come to places like this and I stop and I act on it. I act on it right away. Because I'm like, I just know, here's what I got to do right now. Bam, done. Feels so good. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. There is a time for our sin to be confronted. Number two, there is a time for our obedience to be challenged. Look at verses seven and eight now. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. There's that phrase again. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, uh, says the Lord. So thus says the Lord of hosts. That's used 14 times in the book of Haggai. It's used 247 times in the prophets. That is a total declaration of God's sovereignty again. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Better listen up. Consider your ways is the phrase. Literally, that phrase is put your heart on the road. 
Get your heart on the table. Put your heart on the direction that you are taking. Examine your heart. Do not hide. Consider your ways. Put your heart on your paths. Let us see what it's really about right now. Examine the true direction of your heart. Wow, wow. Consider your ways is a call to self-examination. A call to self-examination. Thinking about this week too, listen, how can we expect our children to be passionate for the Lord when we're idolatrous for the world? How can we expect our kids to want to read the Bible when they never see us reading the Bible? How can we expect our homes to be a house of prayer when we ourselves never pray? How can we expect our kids to love the church and honor those within when we ourselves complain and criticize about the church and it's often the priority fourth, fifth, sixth down from all the things we really like to do. They're seeing everything. How do you expect your family and your children to actually gather a true passion for Christ when you don't have it yourself? It's asking a lot. Now that's convicting. At least it is to me. In verse eight, instead of gathering wood for your own houses, how about, God says, how about gather wood for my house? That's fair. Notice the reason in verse eight, though, this is, this is so critical, ready? Like, as if the Lord needs our money. Like, come on, really? Like, well, what's it about then, Pastor Robbie? Well, look at verse eight. That I may take pleasure in it. That I may be glorified. Because he wants your hearts. When he has your heart, then he has pleasure in us being living sacrifices. When he has our hearts, he gets our glory. We glorify him with that. That's the whole point of the Christian life and following Christ. Consider the purpose of our obedience to the Lord, his pleasure and his glory. Now, consider the purpose of the temple being rebuilt. What was the temple there? Primarily for two main reasons. The sacrifice of God's people towards God. And the beauty of God's glory, Shekinah glory, in the temple. Consider the purpose of us being temples of the Holy Spirit. Two greatest reasons to see us being temples of the Holy Spirit, living sacrifices for God's pleasure. This is your spiritual worship. And that our lives would give him glory. This is what God's looking for. We, we prove we love him by sacrifice for him. Not to earn something, because we love him. We prove we love him, and we're so thankful as our lives give glory to him. Notice this strong theme in Haggai too. When we pursue our own prosperity, we will be found wanting. But when we pursue God's pleasure, listen, there's no greater place of satisfaction. Here's a question. Do we believe that though? Have we been lied by Satan and our flesh so much to the extent that we actually don't believe God's the greatest satisfaction? We believe the next game, the next entertainment, the next TV show, the next whatever it is, the next gadget, the next item, the next whatever it is, next whatever it is. We believe that's more satisfying than God himself. We have been grievously lied to. How many of us are living for ourselves? The Holy Spirit confronts us in our sin and challenges us in our obedience. Why? That we might know where life is lived. Because again, look at verse nine now. Look at verse nine. He says, you looked for much. Watch the theme here again. God's word's amazing. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. I circled that. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Here, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. 
Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills. I'll just stop right there. Here's how Walter Kaiser summarizes these verses. I wanted to put on the screen for you. You can see principle I kind of alluded to. Here it is, ready? No one cheats God without cheating himself at the same time. This is the principle we're seeing in Haggai chapter one. No one cheats God without cheating yourself at the same time. It's a principle of faith that leads to obedience in the Lord and not ourselves. That's why the New Testament, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Therefore, our failure to seek first the kingdom, ready, ready? A failure to seek first the kingdom is to forfeit on some level God's blessing upon your life. What kind of blessing? God decides. God decides. All we know is if we fail to seek first the kingdom and we're seeking the the kingdom of the earth, we are forfeiting God's blessing on some level in some way. The connection in Haggai is explicit. God calls a drought in order. Why? God calls a drought. Why does God call a drought? He calls a drought in order to gather the desires of his people. He withholds to gather. He withholds what they want so much that he might get their hearts to come to him. I mean, think of how many times that happened in your life and mine over the years. You look back and you recognize that things didn't go the way you wanted them to go. The situations didn't happen the way you wanted them to happen. But you have enough hindsight and humility, you can say, well, God actually used that situation of trial and of withholding and of discipline to get my heart because that's what matters most to him because he loves me so much. It's powerful to be able to understand it and live that way. How does this all apply practically? Can't say for sure. I wouldn't get too caught up in the material because God is only after the spiritual. He will withhold the material to get the spiritual. He's just after the spiritual. Why? Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So again, God will remove the physical treasure to gain the spiritual heart. So very challenged this week, very challenged this week. Oh God, God, just stir us afresh, renew us, renew our minds. I was just thinking, Robbie, just make sure, man, just make sure first hour of the day, first hour of the day, first hour of the day and worship to God. First day of the week, principle of Sabbath, first day of the week, you give that to the Lord. You honor him, first affections of your heart, man. You don't start loving other stuff. You love the Lord first, you tell him. You pursue him. First check I write. First check we write as a couple. These are important steps of understanding where our priorities really lie. This is what we show again, the, 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 the longings of our hearts. Pretty simple, but pretty powerful. And asking and praying that God would turn over hearts in our church right now and to understand our obedience is being challenged. Our sin is being confronted. But again, just letting the Lord work and see what he might do. So even just pausing right now and just for a moment for the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak, leaving some room even right now in this message right now for the chance for brokenness over sin, maybe just acknowledgement of that sin, to repent of that sin, maybe to leave some room right now for the Holy Spirit just for us to invite repentance. Maybe your heart's not there, maybe your heart's hardened, but you're saying, Lord, I 
I want you to bring my heart to a place of repentance. I want to want, I long to long, I thirst to thirst. You can do that. Holy Spirit, would you be opening up closets in people's lives right now? Holy Spirit, would you be shining light in the darkest places of our lives that we've been trying to hide from you, which we can't? Holy Spirit, would you be turning hearts over right now of true affection? Would you be opening blind eyes that have thought they could live for the world and truly be satisfied? Would you change that right now, Lord? Would by your Holy Spirit, would you give the gift and the ability and the courage to be honest of what we know to be true, that I am sinning right now. I am idolatrous. I am forsaking the Lord. I am loving the world more than Jesus Christ. I am not being faithful to him. If truth be told, and you look at my life, I'm saying one thing, I'm doing another. I say I should rebuild the temple, but my lives are living completely opposite direction. I'm building my own temple. God, give us the courage just to say, yes, Lord. You're right because you love me. And I want to see renewal in my life. And I want to see renewal in my church. God, I want you to bring revival right now. God, I want you to do this. There's a time for our sin to be confronted. There's a time for our obedience to be challenged. And thirdly, there's a time when our conviction must lead to change. Where our conviction must lead to change. Look at verse 12. This is so great. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, ready, 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 obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. Ready? And the people feared the Lord. Now notice Zerubbabel, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, they all the remnant, they obey the voice of the Lord. Now, now consider this, consider the power of unified obedience as each one of us responds and listen to God's spirit. Here's what I'm totally convinced of. If every single one of us here right now would do this, if every single one of us would put ourselves individually through this process of self-examination, of confession, and repentance, and the desire to seek obedience, if every person did this uh, seat by seat and row by row and aisle by aisle, if every person did this in some form, in some way, revival would break out among us. It would just have to. It would have to. If every single one of us owned our sin before the Lord and begged him for a heart of love and hunger for him and pursued obedience in this way, I'm telling you, you come back next week, this place is different. It just has to. I can't change you. You can't change me. You can take each step. You can, you can make the decision right now that you want what God wants and you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life. I'm, loved ones, God, give us faith. Give us faith. I know it's warm in here. Some of you are tempted to fall asleep or whatever, all right? I'm telling you, stay awake in the Holy Spirit of God and you believe what's happening right now. This church will not remain the same. One of the great challenges of being in ministry 15 years, you want to drop into routine and drop into, again, a, a, a mode that you've seen all the years and you start to coast. God forbid that happens to us. And so he brings in messages like Haggai to stir us up and wake us up and shake us up. Start with me, God. I'm gonna start with me, okay? Complete transparency before you. God, start here. I need, I need this right now. You start with me. Show me, Lord. And I pray I will respond the way you want me to respond. To own my sin and to see the life-giving water flood down again. And the passion ignited, and the boldness found, and the hope restored, and the faith for what life is truly about. 
living in my life and then, and then spreading on to my wife and then finding in my kids, flooding the church that I belong to. That'd be awesome. If every single one of us makes the decision that we want to walk by faith and not by sight, we want the Lord to do. I mean, this, this place, it just, it will not remain the same. Come on, Saturday service, lead the way, man, lead the way. You set an example for Sunday morning, set an example, man. What is going on in that place? Yeah, yeah, you spread it, you spread it, whole church. You know, it's, it's so important for us to, to acknowledge how many times we nod our heads in agreement to God's word. I've seen that, I, I've seen that for 15 years. Yep, good sermon, pastor, good sermon, pastor. And they leave, nothing happens, nothing happens, man. Trust me, trust me, I know, I've seen it. We agree with our heads, yet our lives lead without action or change. We hear, we do not do. How many times will we feel the conviction while here? How many times? I mean, how many of us right now have conviction in our hearts? If we don't put your hands up or anything. How many times us right now sense God's spirit saying to us and we're already trying to find excuses to get out of it? Service isn't even over yet. And that's already happening. How much longer will we put up with our own excuses? How much longer? You know, if you look at the end of verse 12, it says, and the people feared the Lord. And the people feared the Lord. You know what they're finding out right now? They're finding out this verse on the screen right here. They're finding out this, ready? Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. That's what they're finding out. They're finding, man, when, I, when my life is filled with the fear of the Lord, man, there's nothing else I need. There's nothing else I need. And the people fear the Lord. And then look what happens in verse 13 and 14. I was journaling these verses even this morning. Look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. Watch, watch, ready? I am with you, declares the Lord. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Why does God feel distant? Well, maybe it's because we're just pursuing our own prosperity. How come I have such a hard time hearing the voice of God? Maybe it's because our lives are filled with idolatry. How come I have no intimacy? How come my voice doesn't sing for the Lord? How come I feel so, again, apathetic in my walk with Christ? Well, maybe it's because your just life's consumed with entertainment. but you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And the message the Lord says, I am with you. I am with you. Verse 14. I love this. Look at three times. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Wow. Just to recap on the screen, here's what's happening in verses 12 to 14. Obedience to the Lord, that's what happens. Leads to a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord leads to an assurance from the Lord, I am with you, I am with you. An assurance of the Lord leads to passion from God. God stirs up the spirit and passion to the Lord as well. They are ignited in serving Christ, serving the Lord. And then passion for the Lord leads to fruitfulness for him. And they all came together to restart the work of the temple and the dedication of God's kingdom. And what I want you to see, God, give us faith. Put the next part up here. I want you to see this. This all happened in 24 days. Verse 15 tells us that exactly. In 24 days, this took place. They went from indifference to ignition. 
They went from complacency to conviction. God, do something awesome. Lead us, lead us to repentance. God, help us to leave. I just think faith is really the battle. Faith, faith to believe he can do this. Faith to believe. In just 24 days, hey guys, again, prophetic ministry just it sees the people galvanized. It's rare in God's word to see such change in such a short period of time. Like God's sovereignty, what could God do? So a few questions before we prepare for the Lord's Supper. So perfect for today. Question number one, what excuses stop today? What excuses stop right now? What sins need confessing? If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Our mailing address in Canada is 500 Great Lakes Boulevard in Oakville, Ontario. Our postal code is L6L6X9. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light. Oh, yeah. I